You're listening to the podcast for Inforum, an innovation lab at the Commonwealth Club. Buy tickets to upcoming live events in San Francisco at inforumsf.org. Want even more Inforum? Find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram as InforumSF. Welcome to today's virtual program with Inforum at the Commonwealth Club. I'm Tracy Clark Flory, a senior staff writer at Jezebel and the author of the memoir, Want Me, A Sex Writer's Journey into the Heart of Desire, uh, which will be released in February of 2021. Tonight, I am very excited to be in conversation with Lindy West. Lindy is a hilarious genius. That is a fact. Another fact is that she's executive producer for Hulu's Shrill, a television show based on her memoir. And she's also a contributing opinion writer for the New York Times. Tonight, she's at Inform to discuss her new book, Chit Actually, the definitive 100% objective guide to modern cinema, which reviews beloved and or culturally impactful films from years past, everything from The Fugitive to Titanic to Bad Boys 2. Many of these films have not aged very well. Um, They do not stand the test of time. And yet some of these films have become all the more enjoyable because they are so very bad. If you'd like to ask Lindy a question about these very bad slash good films, um, please ask it in the chat if you're on YouTube or in the comments if you're watching from Facebook. Let's get started. Um, Thank you, Lindy, for joining us. And thank you for writing a book that has filled my life with some rare and needed laughter over these last couple of weeks. I'm so glad that you're so welcome. (laughs) Thanks for reading it and thanks for being here. It's about the only thing I could have imagined reading right now other than the news. So thank you. (laughs) Yeah, you know, that was kind of the goal. So I'm glad it worked. Yes. Um, so the book is partly premised on the wild popularity of your um, irreverent take on Love Actually that you wrote for Jezebel in 2013. And as a current Jezebel staffer, I can vouch for the fact that it still drives traffic every December around the holidays <laughs> like gangbusters. <laughs> Why do you think that that piece was so impactful? Um, I mean, I think that people are at heart um, mean-spirited and like to, I don't really think that, but uh, there is something about like taking something beloved and then shredding it to death that um, is very fun to do and very fun to read. And people, um, you know, I, I, I kind of hate to play into this game. Like there's always a game going on of like, who's cool and who's not cool and who likes the cool thing and who knows that the cool thing actually isn't cool. And like, I don't really want to be part of that, but I think it's okay when it's from the heart and my heart says that love actually is actually not good and deserves (laughs) to be punished. So um, yeah, I mean, I think a thing I, I've always tried to do in my writing is like find a detail that makes people go, Oh yeah. Like, that's the thing I've been trying to say, or, you know, that's like the thing that I've been trying to articulate that I couldn't quite identify or, or, I mean, or just find things that people relate to on a basic level, um, which I guess is basic writing, but, um, (laughs) but yeah, I mean, I don't know, it, 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 apparently a lot of people also don't like love actually, and we've found each other. You found each other, (laughs) a large community. Um, So the book has such a delightful mix of films. Um, How did you go about picking those films? You know, 
and it was not scientific. It was just sort of gut instinct. Like I made a big list of like, that was rapidly approaching like a hundred movies. And then I was like, oh wait, these are 3000 words long. Beep, boop, boop. That book would be th- 3 million pages. Like I was like, oh, I can't. And then, um, and then it kind of just came down to like time because I'm a procrastinator. So it was like, okay, I got enough time to watch like 10 more movies. Those are going to be the last 10. And then that just came down to like, what can I, what can I stand to watch right now? Is it American Pie? I guess. And then I, you know, it, it was really just like, I kind of followed my nose through it. And I tried to have some kind of balance um, in terms of like genre and, you know, I, like I, I ended up skipping Avatar because I already like rip on James Cameron for two entire chapters, <laughs> you know, like, okay, uh, we don't have to just torture James Cameron for the entire book. Um, but yeah, you know, um, it was, it was kind of, of organic and instinct based and, the bigger idea is hopefully that I get to write more of these books because this was so fun to write. And I'm like, I can just keep writing new editions of shit actually for the rest of my life. So that's kind of my life plan right now. So um, I hope that works out. <laughs> please tell your friends to buy this book so that can be my job forever. <laughs> yes, everyone, please tell your friends. Um, so we can't talk about all the films that you cover in the book, but we have to talk about The Fugitive obviously, um, and Dr. Richard Kimball, who you so thoughtfully devote the book to. And you also proclaim his innocence, the fact that he did not murder his wife. Um, It's clearly your favorite. You go so far as to um, rate all of the movies in the book on a scale of zero to 10 DVDs of The Fugitive. So (laughs) what makes The Fugitive so damn good? Um, first of all, while you were talking just then, it occurred to me that Richard Kimball is single and a doctor. Whoa. Um, (laughs) I I guess that movie, he's probably, he may have remarried (laughs) in the years since 1992 or whenever that came out. Um, but I just was like, had a moment of like, oh, hmm. I did dedicate the book to Richard Kimball. I wonder if he'll notice. Um, anyway. Uh, oh, why is the future of the best movie? It's just flawless. It's just perfect. It, um, you know, it's exciting every second. It's never boring. There's always something happening, but I'm not scared. I can't watch things that are scary. I want it to be exciting, but not scary. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's like l- laugh lines in it. I laugh. I'm invested in the characters. A thing that I write about in the chapter is that it's like Harrison Ford versus Tommy Lee Jones, but Tommy Lee Jones is not the villain. It's like they're both the hero. It's just perfect. Um, Also, I should say that it maybe has a gender problem. Like there are essentially no women in this universe of Chicago. Um, And except for the dead wife and Jane Lynch, who works in the basement and, maybe is in love with Richard but um this is what it was like to grow up in the 90s you just have to overlook uh being erased so that you can have perfect entertainment like the fugitive right that brings me to another question um in shrill you wrote that feminism is really just the long slow realization that the things you love hate you uh and it seems like there are echoes of that 
sentiment in this book. Um, I want to highlight a few examples because I love them. Um, you write in all caps, love actually sees no problem with treating its female characters like giant bipedal vaginas in sweater vests. You say of Twilight, Edward is just constantly staring at Bella around corners and peeking at her from under manholes and disguising himself as a potted plant so he can watch her pee. Heads up, your children think that is romance now. <laughs> Not bad news. <laughs> and in The Lion King, you note that Mufasa just fucks all the lady lions. Um, and of yeah, course, right? yeah. And, and of course, you mentioned The Fugitive, um, where you say it's a movie all about men where women don't do very much except die or sometimes hold a clipboard. So how does a woman or a lady lion find enjoyment and entertainment in a world that is poison? I mean, what else are you going to do, you know? Like, there didn't used to be a lot of choice. There was, like, sort of stuff that men made and, like, cynically marketed toward women, which is what love actually is. Um, like, oh, this is the stuff that you like, right? Like, there's some kissing and I don't know. Um, and then there was everything else, which was just, I guess, like, men making stuff for for people to enjoy and um you just you that's what you got which is fine um i am a person so i can enjoy the fugitive you know the the problem is i mean obviously some of it is over the line and is like damaging to the psyche you know certainly i don't know any like 80s raunchy comedy where like they just throw women in the garbage and you know like i mean like um or like porkies or whatever like we're gonna peep peep show through the wall and watch the girls in the shower isn't that funny like there's stuff that's like actively toxic but things where it's like you're just kind of erased or dead <laughs> <laughs> you'll take dead <laughs> yeah like, it's I mean it was it's just always my I feel like my whole life was as like a person who loved comedy and loved movies and loved tv it was always just bargaining like well well that's nice like you know the 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 girls the lead girl's best friend kind of had a personality <laughs> like I don't know you're right. just always searching for something to hang on to yeah the, the real and like there's nothing you can do about that now like I can't go back and fix revenge of the nerds or whatever but and it doesn't kind of doesn't matter. The problem is like present day when someone like me or you uh, writes something that's like, hey, maybe we could um, treat female characters better in movies or sometimes have them or, you know, uh, make some sort of mild criticism of pop culture. And then you get absolutely um, hunted and tortured and destroyed uh, for it like that to me is like the real flaw in the system where critique is not welcome and you know I'm called a censor for requesting sort of basic respect and representation and um, that's something that has like been changing for sure but it's like we can't be flawed and unwilling to change you know mm -hmm. so I don't know, I guess the process of, of enjoying media as a person who's not always um, well represented is, cause you, is, to, is to just think critically while you're watching 
don't let yourself off the hook. Be self-critical. Like, am I, um, who am I giving my money to? Is this defensible? Am I, why did I buy a hundred copies of R. Kelly's new album for everyone I know for Christmas? Maybe I shouldn't have done that. Like, it's all just this sort of complicated navigation process to honor yourself, take care of other people, and still figure out a way to have fun. I don't know. There's not a perfect system. And I feel like I went way off course from your question, but. No, I mean, I feel like your book like really like does part of that in that it's, it's like applying that criticism, but it's like taking such enjoyment from that criticism. And so you're like, it it almost on this meta level, just feels like you're like finding a way to enjoy this stuff um, from that perspective of the critic. Yeah. yeah, I actually never thought about it like that. That's so smart <laughs> and so true. It's like that is such a good way to cope with flawed media to have fun hating it. Right. You know, um, right. which is totally what I did with this book. And it was totally fun. Yeah, it makes it feel like you're you're making it your own in a certain way, it feels mm-hmm. like as a reader. So yeah. obviously, you know, Me Too has pushed some of us to um, reconsider our relationships to problematic art and artists. Do you, do you wrestle with that at all? Sure, of course. I mean, and it's, it's so complicated because, uh, you know, it's, it's so pervasive. Like abuse of power is so pervasive throughout the history of art, because that's what happens when you have hierarchies of power is is that powerful people abuse their power. And, and when those hierarchies are, sexist and racist and homophobic and transphobic you know those abuses of power play out in prescribed ways um that harm marginalized people the most so i mean i you don't need me to explain that but um it's it's just absolutely pervasive like good luck finding a project that didn't have one creepy man on it um or i mean like a team of racist executives or whatever and so the answer is i there is no answer <laughs> you know like harvey weinstein touched everything not to no pun <laughs> intended or whatever um it's like what are you going to do what are you going to do what are you going to do like good luck listening to music that didn't isn't a descendant of Michael Jackson or what like pop music that didn't that wasn't influenced by Michael Jackson or you know it's it's just I think a sort of purist approach is fine on an individual level if that's what you want to do but I don't think we can um make that prescriptive and say no one is allowed to consume any media that was ever touched by a problematic person because that's everything and that's not to let anyone off the hook because you absolutely should navigate that in whatever way feels comfortable to you and you should always be talking about these things and checking your friends on things and making sure that um we're we're just aware of reality I think the real harm is in hiding from that reality and pretending like and like defending your favorites when they've obviously done something very bad and then doubled down, you you know, you, you gotta just live in the real world and hold people accountable in whatever way feels possible for you. Cause I don't want to tell people who, um, 
I can't, I can't tell people how to, how to navigate. There isn't a system. The system is what makes you feel gross inside and what doesn't. And are you a person who is open to listening and open to changing your mind and open to learning? And are you in your everyday life, in your sphere, working to dismantle systems of power that propagate abuse? You know, I mean, there's, it's a big question. And the answer for me personally is kind of like, I'm, I'm going to play it by ear <laughs> again, not buying the new R. Kelly album. I don't know. There probably isn't one, but like, for example, I'm not downloading the, I'm not paying for the new Woody Allen movie, which I also don't know if there is one, but there's probably 30 based <laughs> on how he usually works. Um, but am I never going to watch a, a Harvey Weinstein produ- production ever again? I don't know. I can't, I probably will. So, but, but I write a thing in the book because for the book, I, I watched um, Rush Hour and then I was writing it up and then I was like, wait a minute, is Brett Ratner canceled? (laughs) (laughs) And then I was like, oh, he is hella canceled. (laughs) Uh, And then I was like, okay, so I have already paid $4.99 to rent this on Amazon, (laughs) which is also canceled. Like, you know, I mean, I'm already just like in the mire. Um, But like, and then I wrote a little thing about like, okay, oops. So if you don't want you know, 99 cents of your 4.99 to trickle down to Brett Ratner, uh, accused me too person. Um, <laughs> you could pirate this illegally. You could go to Goodwill and search for a DVD or like ask your cousin. You could, you could buy it on Amazon, but then donate 10 times the money to a charity of your a nonprofit of your choice you know like there are ways to navigate it and like you know there's a lot of problems in the world you just got to do your best yeah <laughs> my yeah. short answer yeah I like that you laid out some options there <laughs> yeah um <laughs> so with a lot of these films um their sort of remarkable badness is what kind of makes them enjoyable, makes them good. And then there's some films that sort of like tip over into just full unenjoyable badness. What's, what's the line there? Yeah. Um, I feel like the line is like, are these people having a good time? You know, like I don't, or I don't know. Or like who's being exploited by this film? Um, like I didn't really... I like was shocked by how much I didn't like Terminator 2, which I had never seen. And I was like, oh, this is that? This is that thing you've all been talking about? Okay. (laughs) But I didn't, I wasn't like mad about it. I was just like, this is kind of just not that good. Um, I'm not invested in this. I feel nothing. This isn't for me. I don't like any of these characters. But that doesn't give me the same feeling as love actually where I'm like this is just like money sort of smeared on the screen with a bow on it and then like I don't know just like um force fed to me with a big pink breast cancer spoon or whatever (laughs) it just feels like it's like 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 woman food eat it and then everyone is like "Uh uh-huh and then I'm like I'm like do we have to like there's just something so 
empty about it. But then I feel bad because some people really like it and those people aren't wrong. Like you should like what you like. Don't listen to me. Um, Or like American Pie, I found very, very difficult because it was so aggressively not for me that it just reminded me how hurtful the 90s were. Right. (laughs) No, it's just like, oh, you hate me. Oh, right. Everyone used to hate me. And, you know, not that they, not that like, not that like women are like really popular now. Um, (laughs) But uh, it was like really bad. I feel like when I was a teenager, I I don't know. There's some things that are, that at least are trying to do something, even Mm -hmm. if they fail, you know? And then there are things that are just nothing. Does that make sense? It does. And American Pie, I think was like, such an egregious example in the book because I know that as a teenager I watched that multiple times and reading your review I was shocked at how horrific it was and (laughs) shocked and I really didn't I didn't even have I didn't remember that oh yes he non-consensually live streams a high school, a fellow high school student changing naked in her bedroom and that that's like a laugh line. And it's so alarming to realize that at the time I didn't see how alarming that was. Yeah. And she's horny about it. Like, oh, yeah, that's she right. Loves it. Like, it's just like, which I guess you could say would make it, makes it better. Uh, right. <laughs> but they, but a guy wrote the character. So I don't know. It, it's, I, I'm sure I saw it in high school and I, I just kind of remembered it like existing. And then, yeah, I, it was shocking how, um, it was just disturbing. <laughs> I was disturbed. I was really? disturbed. I was concerned for Nadia. Um, I, you know, there are really some talented and funny people in that movie. And and again, what do I know? Because the franchise has made $1 billion, literally. Um, so maybe I'm wrong. It's again, it's one of those things. It's not for me. They didn't make it for me. Right. It was never intended for you. Yeah. No. So, right. but yeah, I, the way that women exist in that movie, it's just... <laughs> I mean, like, a, like I guess, like you know, um, b- band girl Allison Hannigan has like some sexual agency, <sighs> kind of, but mostly, but mostly, everyone just makes fun of her for the whole movie. I don't know, right? And then she, mom, gets... I guess, is empowering, right? <laughs> so those are the options. <laughs> those are the delightful options. Yeah. <laughs> So what role does um, nostalgia play in, like, the enjoyment of these movies? Because, like, if you, like, if The Fugitive came out today, would you have the same feelings about it? Or is there something about the fact that you saw it back when and are revisiting it? I think I would have the same feeling. (laughs) I think that holds up. There's too many white people in it. The it's you know it's probably not how they would cast it now because things have changed for the better but as a movie it is so good it's good it holds up the I don't know like 
I was definitely watching it through that exact lens. Like, is this good or am I attached to this emotionally? Mm -hmm. And I guess I'm, how can I trust myself? I don't know. But I feel like I would feel the same. But I would probably be like, I'm sure I would be like, there's no women. This is just white men running around. I probably would write some bitchy thing. (laughs) But I would, but it, I would be wrong because it's, well, no, I wouldn't be wrong. Okay. I would be right. But (sighs) I don't know. It's still, it's just very good. It's very good entertainment. Good job. Yes. Well, and you're, you're honest. I feel like in the review where you're like, you know, okay, honestly, like I set out again, cause you do set out at the beginning and you say like, this is the best movie ever made. It's the best movie ever made. All right. And then later, later you say, look, like I was prepared to be disappointed and to not actually still believe that it's the best movie ever made, but actually it is the best movie ever made. So you were not disappointed. So only, I mean, <laughs> And I'm being goofy. Like, of course, it's not the best movie ever made. Of course, everything is subjective. And of course, nostalgia is part of it. And of course, we don't have to, you know, kill nostalgia to be socially responsible. You can still have nostalgia. You just also have to have critical thinking. Um, And that's the challenge to like balance those two. So yeah, I mean, The Fugitive is imperfect and perfect. (laughs) I'm going to watch it tonight. I I am. (laughs) It's it's just a good movie. Yeah. Just a 90s thriller that rocks. I'm very excited, honestly. Um, So I need to know, do you watch reality TV? You know, I have gone through phases in my life where I have, but I currently do not. Unless you count, I mean, you know, I watch like Great British Bake Off and stuff. Does that count? Yeah. Yeah. It's a certain genre of reality TV, I feel like. I, you know, I think I've watched, I watched a season of, of The Bachelorette in about 2001. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I have watched one season. I watched Real Housewives of Orange County, like the first, like two seasons when it, it first aired. And I watched, uh one season of Real Housewives of New York City when I was preparing to make Shrill the TV show because my showrunner and co-creator Allie Rushfield is obsessed with Real Housewives and I was like I have to know how to relate um to my new partner (laughs) and I get it like I get why it's I, I was absolutely like entranced but um I don't know. I Oh, you know what I do watch all the time, which I guess counts as reality TV, is um, Guy's Grocery Games. That's my main love. Mostly I watch I don't Guy's know. Games. I don't know what that one is. Well, it's on the Food Network, and it is hosted by Guy Fieri, Fieri, and he has chefs compete in absurd games and cook dinner in a supermarket. I don't know how to explain it any differently than that it's a cooking contest sounds great except guy is like a prankster and he will come out and be like just kidding i'm replacing your shopping cart with this thimble and then they're like no and then they all have to like try to cram um eggs into a like a dixie cup or whatever and then they have to cook a feast for 75 people. I don't know. It's just, it's just like pure 
garbage and I love it so much. Um, I'm sorry, I'm going to be done with this question in one second because I also wanted to mention that I do, oh, sometimes I will sometimes watch 90 Day Fiance with my mom. Mm, Excellent. I hear that's a good one. It's a lot. It's a lot. (laughs) People are doing stuff. But yeah, I mean, mostly I'm, I don't know, I'm weird. Like I watch like weird stuff and not not in like a cool way, weird in a guy's grocery games way. (laughs) I I mean, I love it. I ask because I feel like reality TV um, is this genre that's filled with that sense of loving and hating. And also like in many cases for me, at least um, it's sort of morally, I'm morally and politically opposed to the entertainment that I am nonetheless um deeply and fully immersing myself in (laughs) and so I'm wondering like what do you think of that kind of fraught relationship to entertainment sorry my husband just tried to crawl under the camera (laughs) oh my god I love it well you did but you didn't escape you your your top of your head show <laughs> it was like very funny I do the best I, can, I know, you know you're doing really good um <laughs> it's like that um what was the the cnn like uh the the, the reporter and the baby comes in and the yeah i was i was i'm glad it wasn't me because i i did hear my toddler screaming bloody murder upstairs a moment ago so but, but he might show up too this is the age that we're living in it's fine i think it's yep. honestly like charming I love getting to see inside people's houses. You can see there's a slight edge of laundry on my little sofa there that I'm Excellent. Gonna, this is the dog's crate. Love okay. it. Um, yeah, this, what was the question? Uh, this, this is my, my child's play kitchen too. So there you oh, go. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> what was the question? I don't know. <laughs> it was about reality TV. Oh, just like yeah. any kind of like, like, What's the deal with um, entertainment where, you know, you have that sort of fraught entertain, you have that fraught relationship to it, where you love it, you hate it, you feel kind of morally guilty, complex about it? Yeah, I, I know, because like, it's, I definitely, things like um, 90 Day Fiance, are definitely like not good for the people on the show or the people watching the show or anyone. Um, you know, obviously like Honey Boo Boo is a wildly <laughs> exploited person or, I mean, that's a dated reference, I think. Maybe she's still on the air. I don't actually I know. No but, um, and it's hard because you kind of want to be like, well, it's on anyway. Like, am I going to be the one right. that... And I think it's kind of the same answer as the other, as the Me Too question, where it's like, I think all you can do is trust your gut and, you know, think critically about what you're watching and when it crosses the line for you, stop watching it. And also, like, talk about it. Like, be vocal about these concepts with your friends and the people that you know and tweet about it and you know um like I I just think the danger is in assuming that everything is fine you know so or someone else will 
someone else will take will take this off the air if it's bad like no they won't not really unless there's some kind of cultural conversation about it i don't know i mean it's really hard because i i certainly um have spent many hours watching things that are arguably bad for earth and have spent many dollars on cheap clothes you know like i that are obviously made unethically like there's like so many directions where i'm like oh no i am like ethically bleeding out and i am a nightmare person (laughs) Um, and i'm trying to you know stop the bleeding and like be a more conscious person and buy silicone um fake ziploc reusable baggies or whatever (laughs) but have i gotten around to buying the silicone reusable baggies yet no you're thinking about it dollars (laughs) each wow yeah um you know it's like it's like everything else there's not a perfect system except like just try to be try to be as good as you can i don't know yeah 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 and like be be a loudmouth about stuff mm-hmm. i don't know but like what if we it's not like there weren't people criticizing toddlers and tiaras every day or dance moms or whatever there uh, there were there's always this constant like din of takes so what's the answer i have no idea <laughs> I like your honesty. <laughs> I think that's okay. <laughs> um, so I want to ask you a couple of questions about writing because I know probably a lot of people watching are fans of yours and also are writers or aspiring, aspiring writers. Um, the book obviously takes great delight in like gaping narrative holes, the absurdity of plot twists, improbable coincidences, does that sort of um, amused but critical perspective on storytelling inform the work you're doing now, um, writing for TV? Oh, um, probably. Although I, I'm sure, like, I don't, it's really easy to be, to be like, oh, I would never do it like that. (laughs) You know, like, it's really hard to make a, TV show or a movie or I mean I've never even tried to write a novel like it's there there's an art to being a critic I'm not going to say it's easy to be a critic it's its own job but like it's easy to be like way to go (laughs) way to go genius your story sucks because like it's hard and it's hard to put yourself out there and when I was a young critic when I was like 25 and they let me write for the newspaper I was like so mean so mean just recreationally because it was fun to things that weren't that bad (laughs) and I was just absolutely sadistic and in retrospect like having made things that then went out into the world I'm like oh my god I would die I would die of some some mean child wrote that (laughs) about me and I always thought like no one in Hollywood will ever read this but they do because Mm. when you make something you want to know what people think and it's so anyway I have regrets but um um I mean definitely on Shrill we 
we talk all the time about how to make sure that it always feels grounded, um, that it's it's funny, but within the universe, so that it's not it doesn't feel so wacky that you don't believe that these are real people. Um, I, I mean, that's certainly something that I've taken from. Um, I, I mean, I think you know that I've taken from just the like we were talking about earlier, just the way that like women were written for most of my life, like where, where Shannon Elizabeth is so horny from being illegally or non-consensually live streamed or whatever, you know, I mean, that's an extreme example, but I feel like we were just really attuned to always making sure that Annie, the main character felt like a human being who wasn't just a fat chick or, you know, who wasn't, um who had more to her life than um girl with boyfriend you know fat girl sad like that's not what people are actually like you know you don't I don't walk down the street all day long being and we actually this is a thing that we talked about when we pitched the show you know 80 and I don't walk down the street every day being like fat, 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 tuba playing, going to my fat job. It's like, no, you're just like a person who's late and who has a dog and who is allergic to her own dog. And that's (laughs) right now. And, um, you know, like we definitely made sure that that was a focus, like, like just making this a real person because so often, um, especially when you get into, um, identities that aren't straight white guy, um, that individuality gets lost and that kind of authentic individuality. So that's something that we focused on a lot. Um, I had something else I was going to say, but I lost it. I lost it. (laughs) Um, so wait, I just wanted to say, that's not to say that I don't like sort of heightened things. Like probably my favorite thing is wet hot american summer which is like absolutely not in reality but it's it's more like i don't need things to be real but if you're but it it served this show i think right right just to be clear (laughs) um so you write that you love turning a piece of criticism into a piece of entertainment how do you go about doing that how do you think about that I mean, it's kind of, it's a, not kind of, it's like a deeply selfish impulse. (laughs) You know, it's like kind of what I was just talking about where I would go see a movie to review it. And often, especially when I was young, my first impulse wasn't, what do I have to say about this movie? It was like, how can I exploit this movie review to make, do what I like to do, which is make jokes and make myself seem funny, (laughs) you know, (laughs) which is like, not exactly the job that you've been hired to do. But it, but the fact that people were entertained, like, like, the fact that I was sort of giving people something that they liked, felt like a justification to me, you know what I mean? Like, I was like, well, um, I'm, I'm creating something on the back of this other thing, and it's bringing some people some joy so i don't know it, it it's it it's kind of 
I guess I always figured that there were like real fancy film critics who were doing the real thing. <laughs> so it was right. okay if I did my like goofy, snotty teenage thing. Right, right. You got to have fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And now of course there are no film critics because um, okay. every publication has disappeared and died. So, and fired everyone. So maybe if I was doing it now, I wouldn't do it like that. But also, I don't know how to do anything else because I'm just like a voice. I just am a voice machine. That's all I do is voice. So I don't know. So what would you say to writers? Because that's something writers hear all the time. It's all about voice, 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 voice. You're a voice machine. How does one have a voice? (laughs) I mean, it, it depends on what kind of writing you want to do. Like, if you want to do voicey writing or humor writing or, you know, things where your perspective is front and center, then great. I would, you know, the trick is to not try too hard. And I certainly sometimes try too hard, um, even now. Uh, but really, what you're doing is, is, and this is a kind of a gross, like cynical way to put it. But if we're talking about the business of writing, what you're doing is making yourself into a commodity. You know, if you write authentically as yourself, no one else can be you. And then people want to hire you because you are the only person that can provide you. Um, and of course, if you want to be like a hard investigative journalist this is not what you want to do (laughs) you I mean you can have a perspective and have a voice but it's not um you know that's not the center of of what you're doing and sometimes can get you in trouble but um if this is what you want to do (laughs) uh, I just start I just never knew how to do it any other way and like my worst writing is when I'm trying to sound smart or like I'm trying to like sound like a real writer and I try to get like writerly it's like the worst and there are places where I do it in I would say both of my previous books maybe not this book which is just ridiculous all the way through which is how I like it um but you know I I just I remember when I got my very first assignment from the stranger when I was you know 23 or whatever and I remember it was a theater review. It was like 75 words long for the calendar. And I remember sitting down and just being like, okay, what does a theater review in The Stranger sound like? And then I just kind of like felt my way through it. And really what that was, was I just wrote about, I wrote about the play in my voice and I wrote my real opinion because that's what The Stranger was like it was like a bunch of a bunch of personalities digesting the city and I was like okay I guess that's what that's what I've been hired to do and I don't know I I had some kind of a knack for it apparently um because they liked it and then they kept giving me assignments and um but it was yeah it was just always a, a a matter of um of I mean like to the point where I often would just um, rant about something out loud, sometimes even record it, and then just transcribe what I yelled. <laughs> like, it's very much like it's pure. exactly my right voice. Right, right. 
But then you have to also learn how to be a good writer and like turn it into something that is functional and readable. (laughs) And that's just something that you gain from experience and, you know, from reading a lot too. Like, I I think um, the fact that I read obsessively growing up, it gives you this sort of innate understanding of how writing is structured. And then you can kind of plug your voice into that. Right. That makes sense. It does. Okay, good. Because I... I don't know. I don't know how to do anything. <laughs> uh, clearly you do. Um, yeah, that was a bad feminist, an, I, a bad yeah. feminist moment. And we I all was- have our moments, you know, we all have our moments. Um, so I have a bunch of questions from viewers, a ton okay. of them. Um, I'm going to start with Nick, who asks, if you could pick one film you think is criminally underrated um, that everyone should see. What is it? It's hard because everything is fucked up. <laughs> what is criminally underrated? Oh, wait, I'm not supposed to mess with the thing. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm feeling, I'm having this feeling of like, I couldn't, I couldn't name a single movie for you right now. Oh, a hundred percent. I'm just going to say that a movie that I think people don't take seriously but they should because it also absolutely holds up and is a stunningly funny comedy. And I think people think of it as as just a goof is Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Mm. Also quite a hefty gender problem. Um, The, the does not do right by the female characters, but it was what we had and the jokes are good. And Keanu Reeves is adorable there's like three female characters four two princesses who just have nothing they all they do is like have crushes on bill and ted and like give them massages or something bill's hot stepmom missy absolutely sexually harassed wildly throughout the entire film it's a running gag and then joan of arc who is brought from the past to 1989 san dimas and opts to teach aerobics at the mall so i i can't support any of that but the rest of the film is um flawless and deserves not just like our nostalgic uh tender feelings but true respect (laughs) i'm serious it's really good i love it um so crystal asks uh what do you think about these disney remakes that try to right the wrongs of the originals, i.e. making Belle a feminist or whatever. Um, why are they always worse somehow? I don't think I've watched any of those. Wasn't Belle, I mean, I feel like original Belle was kind of a feminist, right? Like she wanted to learn and like get out of her shit town and read books and not, I don't know. She didn't want to marry Gaston. <sighs> um... I don't know. I mean, like, so there's Beauty and the Beast. Um, These are like the live action, the new ones. Yeah. There was a Lion King, which I couldn't possibly watch. Mm -mm. Um, I mean, it's tough. Like, I don't know. It's just like anything. If you can do a good job, go for it. You know? But no one ever does a good job with (laughs) (laughs) it. You know, it's kind of like... You just have to put some things to bed and 
thing like i guess they made a dumbo and they tried to like make it not racist i didn't watch it yeah neither did i (laughs) i don't know i i i if it doesn't matter if you make bell a feminist if the movie that you made isn't good you know like what's the what have you accomplished and maybe that is maybe beauty and the beast is good i didn't see it um but it's just like we just have to own the fact that again the past is deeply flawed and maybe we can love some of these properties for what they are think critically about them like i said allow ourselves to enjoy life and enjoy things that make us happy while also being conscious people and then maybe we make new things and we don't have to remake everything a hundred times. Um, I, I, I don't know who is clamoring for a reboot of everything that's ever been made. You know, um, tell a new, tell a new one. How about what an idea? <laughs> um, so that actually, that actually brings us to a question um, from Eliza. She says, Lindy, my two friends from film school and I are all watching as a genius and movie expert. Don't deny it. What kind of thing would you like to see us make? (gasps) Make? I want you to make what you want to make. I I mean, I mean, I love um, a murder mystery. Will you make me a murder mystery? Please? Um, what else is there? <laughs> I only like <laughs> what else is there other than murder mysteries? Yeah, not really anything. No. Is no. there? Um, I feel like um, I like a murder mystery. I like um the in. I mean, a thing I mentioned in the book is like why. And there are, are obviously at this point many reasons to abandon Harry Potter. Um, if you're JK and you are going to write your Harry Potter mega series, I just can't imagine, and this is maybe unfair of me, I can't imagine like as a woman being like, I'm going to write this like epic series about a boy. Make a girl series! What's wrong with you? Oh, you just like made this like boy (laughs) boys are fine but you're gonna make this boy and then like Hermione has to like do everything and she's not even the main character I would love like a sort of boarding school magic boarding school only girls girl hero you know what I mean is that just Harry Potter again though but with a girl I mean I think I, th- I think they should take the idea and run with it. <laughs> take that idea. Girls, boarding school, murder mystery. All right. Now we're talking. That's it. That's it. Go pitch it. Do it. <laughs> Sell that idea. Don't steal it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Lindy, Lindy's doing that. Um, so <laughs> Jack asks, how do you feel about the disclaimers on out-of-date films? good idea or is it up to the viewer to remember the context and time period it was made in i think it's harmless i don't see why i i people get mad about stuff like that and i'm like who cares oh there was a one a one second thing before 
like amid all the other things that you ignore before the movie starts there was another screen that you ignored while you were on your phone who cares if it like i don't know is there a compelling argument against other than like people don't want to be reminded that things they like are harmful sorry sorry that's directed <laughs> at the person who asked the question i just like <laughs> it's a thing that people get like so mad about like a trigger warning or whatever and it's like mm. who cares why do you care don't worry right. about it if if it's not for you it's not for you if you already knew about the context good job if someone didn't and this is informative for them and changes their perspective on the movie a little bit in a in a healthy way great why is that bad i mean and may, you could say that it doesn't ever do that and it serves no purpose in which case it's a, just a net nothing and who cares who it's cares? certainly not hurting anything and if there is a small potential for helping something i just don't see why it just feels like one of those things that people get mad about when they're really mad about something else right which is yeah. feeling guilty about liking you know sexist racist bad stuff <laughs> right don't remind me that i like it yeah and like again like we've been talking about this whole hour like you can like it i mean don't you shouldn't like the specifically <laughs> the racist sexist bad stuff but like you can still like the thing you just have to also be a living breathing person in the world who understands who understands context so if you already understand the context then you already understand the context and you shouldn't be mad about being told about the context sounds like maybe you you don't understand the context and you don't want to learn about it not you the person who asked <laughs> just the fictional person that i made up to yell at yes yeah um <laughs> so tara wants to know what was the process of creating shrill uh shrill like specifically what was it like to adapt your story the story of a woman who is fully comfortable in her body despite society's expectations it's weird it's a weird thing to do to i i it's a weird thing to do to adapt your actual life into a fictional television show because you have to like open up your tender heart to the writer's room <laughs> like, here all right sure let's go and then inevitably like things get changed and then you're like but my life and then things don't get changed and you're like oh I'm vulnerable like it's like there's no good path everything feels like bad and weird um that's like the dark side of it on the other hand it's like the most fun amazing thing I've ever gotten to do and it with the like best possible team um of totally like smart insightful loving people so I I don't really have any complaints it's just a disorienting thing to make like a fake version of your life that's almost almost your life but then it's also someone else like you know the character of Annie is like half 80 um because it has to be because she has to like embody that character so gradually we have built in more and more of her personality into that character and and that's weird too where I'm relieved that it's not me especially when she's being bad <laughs> being embarrassing not 80 but the care you know Annie makes 
bad choices. Um, but then it's also like you're, you know, there's some, there's, it's just really vulnerable, the whole thing. Um, but, and it, and it was also hard. Yeah. I mean, I think this is sort of maybe what you're referencing in the question. It's hard to recreate painful moments from your life. You know, like I had to sit, I had to sit in the, in the, the tent in video village, which is where you watch what they're shooting on a little screen with headphones and watch like an actor, Daniel Stern playing my dad who is dead in real life. And like, I, of course, like a fool wrote in some dialogue that was like stuff my real dad used to say to me. And then I'm just like, why did I do this? (laughs) Um, Even though it's like beautiful and special, but it's just, it's just complicated as hell. Um, And like we used some of my dad's real, my dad was a piano player and we like used a recording of him actually playing the piano and like pretended that it was Daniel Stern playing the piano. And then I'm just like, "Uh, uh." but also it's so special I got to like put my dad playing the piano on the tv show so I don't know it was like hard and weird and special and um I I wouldn't you know I I I wouldn't change a thing if I had you know had to do it over but um I don't know that I will do it again (laughs) you know like make another show so close to my actual life because it's it's just like emotionally very complicated even in the best absolute best case scenario which is what I have had have (laughs) we have time for one more audience question um Lynn asks a lot of people say that anything only men like is just not good do you find that to be true or do you know of any film or tv show that is not problematic that only men like there isn't one (laughs) easy answer I agree with the wisdom (laughs) Uh, I believe that originally referred to Joe Rogan. Um, and I agree. He's a perfect example and he should be, um, uh, listening to his show should be illegal. (laughs) I don't think that, um, no, I mean, I think for something to appeal only to men, it has to be, is that fair? I'm really stepping into waters that I haven't thought through. Why would something appeal only to men? Like it would have to be alienating to women in some, in some aggressive way. Right. And that would make it inherently not good. Right. But are there things that only women like, but the things that only women like men don't like because they've been um, emotionally stunted by society and told that they're not allowed to have feelings. So. Excellent point. Um, right. I nailed it. <laughs> I, I probably like, that's like an entire book that question, you know, that I will not be writing, but I'm sure someone smarter than me will. Yeah. You're going to be writing your next movie review book, hopefully. Um, so it's an informed tradition to ask all of our speakers the following question. What is your 60 second idea to change the world? No pressure. This is so hard. I mean, really, the real answer is that I wish I could pay for everyone to go to therapy. Um, But a tiny little thing that, okay, is there like a timer? Am I going to get buzzed at 60 seconds? Okay, I've wasted 20 seconds now. 
Um, I am obsessed currently. No. During, okay, good. Um, I, during COVID, I've become obsessed with a show on Netflix called Repair Shop, which is a British reality show um, about a repair shop in a thatch-roofed cottage, and then little British people bring in their family heirlooms that are broken or damaged, and then the repair shop repairs them. It's the cutest, most wholesome, perfect show. And then the people come pick them up and they cry. There's like two little ladies that repair people's stuffed animals. There's like a wood, like a, like a woodworking guy. And there's like an accordion repairman and like a guy who does music boxes. And then there's Steve and Steve is the clockmaker. And what you discover on repair shop is that everything is a clock. Basically, if there's something, some random thing, any like toy, any like weird machine, like farm equipment like everything is they just give it to steve if if they don't know what to do with it and then steve always fixes it and the thing that has become very helpful to me when i in these dark and troubled times am like spinning out and lying in bed at night going through my to-do list and everything that's wrong with the world and just cycling and panicking um my husband said to me lindy when steve is has a clock to fix and like say all of your fears and all of your responsibilities are like broken messed up gears inside the clock rusted gunky does steve work on the clock all night long or does steve put a black cloth over the clock and go to sleep and then come back in the morning and take the cloth off and start working on the fixing the gears and I was like Steve puts the cloth <laughs> so now when I'm feeling overwhelmed I pretend that I am Steve from repair shop and I put a black cloth over my clock during the time when I cannot do anything to fix the gears and I need to take my little bit of time and then um, when my time is over I can take the cloth off and I can get back to doing my Steve work And it's been very helpful. I guess that's just like basic um, boundaries and taking care of yourself. But um, I am just learning at age 38 to be Steve. So I I wish for everyone to be Steve. I love it. (laughs) Now I have another TV show that I need to watch. Oh my God. Um, So so that's all. Um, Thank you to Lindy West for joining us today at Inforum at the Commonwealth Club. I'd love to remind our viewers that her book, Shit Actually, is a book that's available for purchase right now, and you should go purchase that book from a store that sells books. Um, If you'd like to watch more virtual programs or support the Commonwealth Club's efforts in making virtual programming, please visit visit commonwealthclub.org slash online. I'm Tracy Clark-Flory. Thank you and stay safe.